Hello and welcome to the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host, Joe Webb, and this is a podcast for all of us who are looking for faith beyond the fences. I'm glad you're listening. This is episode two of the podcast, and today we're talking about deconstructing deconstruction. So the last time on the podcast, I was describing the the mission, as it were, of Accidental Tomatoes. And and in the middle of that, I talked a little bit about the idea of spiritual deconstruction and reconstruction. And I've noticed, as I've talked to people about this whole idea, that while a lot of us find ourselves at various places in that process of deconstruction, not everybody necessarily has, um, I guess, a language for it or a way of understanding and talking about what it is that's actually happening to us as we let go of old belief systems. And so today I'd like to unpack the idea of deconstruction a little bit and talk about what I mean by it and how this language of deconstruction can help us walk together through what can be a very difficult and sometimes even a pretty scary process in our lives. So deconstruction or or spiritual deconstruction to be specific, is really a way of talking about the experience that we have when we start to question and dismantle our belief systems. Whether that was the religion that we grew up with or we inherited from our families of origin, or whether it's something that we maybe came to believe at some point in our lives due to some kind of a spiritual experience, most of us come to this place where we just sort of stop blindly accepting what we've always been told that we're supposed to believe. Something happens. We meet somebody who has a different perspective or we read something or we find ourselves in some kind of circumstance that causes us to start to wonder if what we've always been told is actually true. I think a lot of us come from faith or religious backgrounds that would try to tell us that we shouldn't do that that we shouldn't question what we've always been told or what we've always been taught, that, that faith requires basically blind adherence to a set of assertions or a set of truth claims, and that we have no right or no place to question what we've been told by authority figures that God has decreed to be true. And that if we do have those kind of questions, we'd better learn pretty quickly just to squash them because basically if we don't squash them, the the thought is we're going to make God angry and God is going to punish us, that God is going to, to send us to hell when we die if we have these questions. Now think about that for a second. Or maybe maybe you don't even have to think about it. Maybe that's an experience that you've already had or that you're in the midst of having right now. Somebody telling you, that you're going to suffer unspeakable torture for all of eternity because you dare to wonder whether or not their truth claim is actually true. Because you have the audacity to be curious, because something doesn't make sense to you and you want to understand it better. And so you do the unspeakable. You ask a question. And when those questions are met with rigid legalism or judgmentalism or condemnation, we basically have two choices. We can either accept what we're being told and become compliant and continue to kind of wallow in the misery of our misunderstanding, or 
we can start the process of rejecting it and then replacing it with something that we can live with. And that's where deconstruction begins. Now, I know that a lot of my maybe more traditionally religious friends and colleagues might say something to the extent that, that you're just relativizing truth when you do that, right? That's just pure relativism. We're just picking and choosing what we want to believe based on what makes us feel happy or feel good or feel comfortable or feel personally fulfilled without any regard to what God's actual intent is for humanity and that, you know, God's ways are greater than our ways and how dare we imagine, right, that we can uh, reinterpret, you know, what we've always been taught. But I would argue, at least from my own experience and my own perspective, that it really has far more to do with knowing God better than with trying to create God in my own image. That when we stop accepting the bland platitudes and the condemning rhetoric that we're supposed to believe, and we start digging deeper, we're actually growing closer to the heart of our Creator. And that's why, despite my own process of deconstruction, I actually remain deeply Wesleyan in my theology. I mentioned in the last podcast that I'm an ordained um, United Methodist minister. John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, started a lot of what he started because he was sick and tired of seeing people excluded from what had really become the elitist Church of England in the mid-18th century, from what had basically become the church for, for the rich and the powerful uh, and, and the, the people that had some privilege um, in society, that it was the church, uh, today we would say the church of the 1%. And, and, and this was so much so that Wesley started to question even his own faith, despite the fact that he grew up with a father who was an Anglican minister and, and a, a very scholarly mother uh, who educated um, her children well and, and, and fully and, and deeply indoctrinated the Wesley children in, in Christian living of the time. What Wesley came to understand, though, was that while understanding scripture and obeying church doctrine certainly had its place and certainly had its importance, all of that was actually meaningless without an experiential knowledge of the divine. It was meaningless if you hadn't experienced the reality of God in your life. That you could have all of this intellectual knowledge, but the intellectual knowledge does nothing if God's not real to you. And so, although Wesley preached salvation nearly every day of his adult life, for a long, long time, he was thoroughly unconfident of his own salvation until he had an actual experience of the living presence of the Spirit of God in his life. You see, our religious institutions have become, I think, in a lot of ways, and again, I'm painting with really broad strokes here. Uh, I don't mean to, to throw out the baby with the bathwater by any sense of the imagination. But, but a lot of our religious institutions have become so hyper-focused on knowing the right things and thinking the right thoughts in exchange for receiving God's gift of salvation, which we narrowly define usually as kind of, you know, getting to go to heaven when we die. Our faith, at least in much of the Protestant church in, in the Western church, has become almost entirely 
transactional. In other words, we get something from God in exchange for our intellectual assent to God's existence. But Wesley again understood that a purely academic understanding of God came far short of what it really meant to believe in God, to trust in God. Wesley understood that a deeper understanding of God could only f come not just through an academic, you know, sort of knowledge, but from a foundation um, of, of studying the scriptures, but also of, of learning from and living in the historical liturgical traditions of the church, of also using our God-given ability to think and reason and make decisions. And, and then again, you know, on top of all of that, the lived experience of a spiritual encounter with the divine, that all of that went together to become not a transactional kind of faith, but a transformational kind of faith. So while other religious scholars of, of Wesley's era were kind of busily trying to construct intricate systematic theologies that attempted to make every part of the Bible true and authoritative, despite its obvious complexities and contradictions, Wesley was learning how to make scripture make sense in the lives of everyday human beings, like you and me, who have enough struggle just trying to get through each day. Wesley became a thoroughly practical theologian, more interested in how love could literally change the world than in what particular ideas we carried around in our heads. See, through John Wesley's own spiritual deconstruction, he came to know a better and a deeper relationship with the Creator. And because of that work that he did, millions of people over the last, you know, 300 years have benefited from Wesley's deconstruction. At Accidental Tomatoes, we're building a community of people looking for ways to find faith and spirituality beyond the walls and fences of the traditional church. While our blog and our podcast are always absolutely free, if you'd like to go deeper with more resources and conversations, we invite you to support us through the Patreon platform. For as little as $2 a month, you can receive bonus content, including a monthly newsletter, patrons-only commentary, and much, much more. Just go to patreon.com slash accidentaltomatoes to learn how. And now, back to the podcast. So my own process of deconstruction began probably, I don't know, around 12 years ago or so. And I think it all started, it, it might have started a little bit before this, but the, the point that I can kind of, kind of stick a pin in and say that was sort of where it began was with this book called Unchristian that was written by David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons in 2007 about research done by the Barna Group, which is the biggest Christian research firm in the country, and how that research showed that more and more and more people in America, uh, especially young people, like from age 16 to 29, we're, we're losing faith in the church and losing trust in the institution of the church because of the church's attitudes uh, about a lot of things, um, but especially things like human sexuality and politics and money uh, and, and some other cultural touch points. And of course, what Kinnaman and Lyons were discovering through this research was 
that the church was really just not exempt from the broader trends in society where people were losing trust and faith in nearly all of our institutions, from, from business to politics to media to religion. It, it was the postmodern era, and deconstruction was in the air. So it was a time when a lot of us were beginning to question what we'd been taught, not only about Christianity, but about a, a lot of the other things uh, in our lives that were beginning to show the cracks of corruption and abuse. But, but for me, and, and to stay focused on spiritual deconstruction, um, that, that book, Unchristian, led me into a whole world of, of literature and media that was being produced by some really, really smart, really, really faithful people who were beginning to ask all of these really hard questions. And, and without trying to list, you know, like all of those uh, particular people that influenced me, one author in particular really stood out, uh, and that was a guy named Brian McLaren. Um, Brian McLaren was an evangelical pastor at the time that he started writing. He was um, in, the, in Maryland. Um, now he lives in Florida. But he was sort of, you know, kind of raised in a fairly um, strict fundamentalist kind of tradition. Um, but he was starting to see that a, a lot of how the gospel, you know, and gospel means good news, that a lot of how the gospel was being preached and taught really wasn't good news to an awful lot of people. And so he wrote this series of books. It was this trilogy, these three books, um, called A New Kind of Christian. And, and what he did in those books was he used, uh, he created these fictional characters. Um, but, the, but the story was really an attempt to give some structure to, to how it is that we start asking these questions and, and the guides that we might find along the way to help us through the process, the people who are thinking maybe just a little bit ahead of where we're thinking. And then how we can maybe even put it all back together again on the other side of that. And I think that's worth noting that deconstruction for its own sake, deconstruction just for the sake of dismantling a belief system that you've come to disagree with, while it's perfectly natural, on its own it just doesn't lead anywhere, right? Essentially, it, it can only lead to nihilism. It can only lead to where you just believe in nothing at all. And, and to be honest, that's just not really sustainable. In fact, I would argue that it probably leads to more discomfort and more disillusionment that you were probably experiencing prior to your deconstruction. And honestly, that's what it felt like for me at first, that as I began to see kind of the nonsense of so much of what I'd always been shown and taught, I, I didn't know what to do with that information. And, and so for a long, long time, I struggled with that um, because it had become so plain that so much of what I always thought was truth really wasn't. And, and if what I thought was true wasn't true, then what was true? And that's the kind of thing that like once you know it, right? Once you know it, you know it. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> right? Once you know it, you know it. You you can't unknow it. You can't unlearn something like, like that. Once your eyes have been opened to that reality, it's just there. You can't pretend like it doesn't exist. So, so you have to figure out how to live with it. And the only way really to live with it 
is to try to put something back together in its place. So there has to be some kind of reconstruction on the other side of our deconstruction. And that's what McLaren's books and a lot of others have really kind of helped me learn. How to put it all back together in a way that not only makes more sense, but actually leads to a deeper, richer, more authentic kind of spirituality than I ever had in, in that world of strict kind of, you know, rigid beliefs that I used to have. As a matter of fact, I actually got to meet um, Brian McLaren at the Wild Goose Festival in North Carolina last July, and I got a chance to thank him uh, for helping me through both my deconstruction and my reconstruction. And then we talked for like 20 minutes about fly fishing um, because we both um, enjoy fly fishing. But, but you know, it was, really, um, it was really important and it was really valuable for me to have a guide like him and like some of the other authors that I read um, to, to, to help me walk through those processes. And so it was, it was really important to me to be able to, to say to him, you know, um, what that meant to me and that it was really important and valuable to know that I wasn't alone in the midst of that process. And that's the other thing that I've come to know through this whole deconstruction thing, that there are a lot of us, right, who are struggling with deconstruction right now. And I would say that, you know, even though I talk about kind of going through deconstruction and reconstruction, I, I really don't view that really as a linear process. I see it more as sort of a dynamic tension, uh, that there are times when, even though I've kind of been through the depth of my deconstruction and I'm, I'm fully kind of planted in reconstruction, there are still, there are still truth claims uh, there are still things that I'm in the process of deconstructing uh, and trying to put back together. And so if that's where you are, right, if you're in that place where, where things don't really seem to make any sense anymore, uh, the things that you've always trusted to be true seem now to be kind of betraying your trust, I just, I want you to know that you're not alone, Right. I want you to know that there are lots of us that are in this place. And I want you to know that it gets better, right? So just don't quit, right? Don't give up. Keep keep kind of pressing into that. Because I think that's a big part of what this whole Accidental Tomatoes project uh, is all about. It's really kind of what this whole thing exists for. It's, it's for those of us who just can't do the church thing anymore, at least in the kind of traditional sense. And, and who have begun even to distrust, in some ways, the, the basic narratives of, of faith and religion as, as it's been handed to us. But, but we also know, in our heart of hearts, that there's something bigger still, right, that connects us all. That no matter where we are in life, no matter what our circumstances are, there's something beyond us that, that connects us, right, and that somehow... It's, it seems that love is somewhere at the very heart of that. And it's hard to make sense of it. And it's hard to unpack uh, a lot of, you know, the, the, the things that have been handed down to us about that. So I just want you to know um, that, that if you sort of are finding yourself in that place of deconstruction, right, I see you, right, I, I feel where you are. I hope you'll find those guides um, again, whether they're authors or artists or podcasters or whatever it is uh, that can help 
give you some structure to your process, right? Because we have to all find our own process. There's not really a map or a blueprint. Um, I have a friend that kind of talks in terms of, you know, there's just, there's kind of some guardrails that we put out. And, and I think maybe that's a good metaphor to use. And so I'll try to provide some of those resources as well um, through the Accidental Tomatoes website and through our social media channels to help you get connected to people who are sharing the road with you and who might even be able to help you see around just the next corner maybe or take the next step that you need to take to start to put something new and better in the place of the systems and the structures that just aren't working for you anymore. And I'd also say, you know, embrace the process, man. Embrace the process. I know it can be difficult, and I know it can even be painful. Um, but like I said, the depth of spiritual experience that's available on the reconstruction side are so worth it. As hard as, as my own deconstruction was and sometimes still is for me, um, I really come to value it as the best thing that could have happened to me. Because it opened me up um, to a deeper and a more authentic experience of the divine than I think I ever could have had otherwise. So that's it for today's podcast. Thanks again for listening. Uh, you can find Accidental Tomatoes online at accidentaltomatoes.com and across the social media world at, at Accidental Tomatoes. So be sure to to like us and follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, for up-to-the-minute updates of all of the things that are going on in our community. Uh, you can find me, Joe Webb, at my website, joewebbwrites.com. That's J-O-E-W-E-B-B-W-R-I-T-E-S.com. And again, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at at joewebbwrites. If you have ideas or suggestions for future podcast topics, I would love to hear from you. You can, again, you can contact us on Facebook or Twitter, uh, or you can email us at accidentaltomatoes at gmail.com. And if you enjoy our podcast, please, please be sure to, to rate us and give us a review on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to your podcast. That will help other people find Accidental Tomatoes and connect with our community and participate in this conversation that we're all having together. So keep on growing outside the fences and join us next time for the Accidental Tomatoes podcast.